not created to be on this journey alone. And that's why we've been talking about the past few weeks what it means to be better together. And uh, we've been digging into that idea over the last couple of weeks. We're going to continue that today. And talking about the fact that our faith is not personal. We're created to live in community. And now, yes, each one of us must make a personal decision to choose Jesus Christ as Savior. That's something that you can't do for someone else. Someone else cannot do that for you. But then the Bible is very clear that our faith is intended to be lived out in community. We love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then Jesus says, that's the greatest command, but the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So there's our goal. Love our neighbor as ourself. Just as we're pouring ourselves into our relationship with Christ, we're pouring ourselves into relationships with others as well. So to fully receive the life that God intends for us, we have to be in community with one another. Now, one thing we've made clear as we've talked about this is that to be in community, you have to want to be in community. Because you can be present and disconnected, right? You can be in a place but not really be connected with anybody. And then the other is true, you can be far away and yet still be fully plugged in. And so, again, we've talked about the fact that even when we're far away and, and, and we're, we're connected, you know, we desire to be together, but sometimes we're not always able to do that, right? And that's what this season of social distancing has really highlighted for us. We're in week 23. We all thought it was going to be a couple of weeks. It's been a couple of weeks, okay? We're in week 23 of dealing with the coronavirus and all of the implications. And again, I just want to remind us all, it's, it's something that's very serious, it's very real, and each one of us have, have had to do things differently, and we're having to make decisions differently, and so as we learn to live in community with this situation, we see that some are needing to stay away from the gathering of right here on a Sunday morning, and that's okay. Uh, some are okay with this. Some people are in a situation where they're caring for others and they can't be out and about. So we just need to remember that we're all having to deal with this in a different way. And I'm not doing this series called Better Together to try to tell everyone they need to show up to church. That's not what I'm trying to do. I am trying to make sure that everybody understands that we need to be connected with one another. We have to be connected. It's two different things to be present and be connected. And the truth is, COVID has done two things to us. One, it's exposed the disconnect for some, right? It's given to others, however, an incredible opportunity to connect for people who are looking for it. Here's, here's what I mean. For those that don't want to connect, Everything that's happened, and I'm not trying to be harsh with this, but you can just ask what's going on in your own heart. Everything that's happening becomes an excuse. Well, I can't do that because, I can't do this because, I can't do that because, I can't do this because. And that's tough when culture changes so fast and with our life being turned upside down so fast. It gets very difficult. And I'm not trying to be harsh. 
I'm just pointing out some things that we can all search our hearts and ask ourselves, what is it that I'm looking for and how am I choosing to live my faith out? And for those that have a tendency to see their faith as something that's just personal, it's between them and God, well then there's no problem if I can or can't come or I gather, I don't gather, or I call or I connect or I do this because, well, this is between me and God. You see, our culture will try to convince you over and over and over again that your faith is just between you and God, and the enemy will try to convince you over and over again that you just need to keep it that way. But God designed us to live in community. And again, I'm not saying that you need to be here to be in community. And I'm going to give us an example of that in just a second. But God has changed the way um, that, that we look at things in this season. And so he's forced us to kind of be in a situation to go, okay, my word hasn't changed, but your situation has, so how do we deal with that? And so for those who understand the importance of having faith lived out in community, all that this season has done is created fresh and new opportunities. Amen? Because as a believer, we can look and go, okay, well, this is this year, next year is next year, last year was last year, next week will be, and God's still God. And I'm still going to look for these ways to connect. I've, I've known people in this time that they're doing more calls, they're doing more texts, they're doing more connecting, and they're also finding new ways of worshiping and gathering. And I want to highlight one of the groups in our church uh, that's doing an awesome job with this. So y'all watch this video with me real quick. What led you to, to start inviting everybody into your home during all of this and cooking amazing food every single week and doing all of that? Well, it started out that we were going to just, we were going to meet out in the yard and just have just, just a Sunday school class. And uh, after talking with them and finding out that I could do it by putting my TV and uh, putting on my TV up where we could see it, actually be able, everybody be able to see the same thing. Uh, it started out that uh, I wanted to keep something, but I wasn't sure that it would work. Uh, and I, at the time I was doing the teaching and I felt like I needed to contact, well, I. I had written Sunday school lessons and mailed them each week. Well, that got to be such a chore until I couldn't do that. I couldn't I can keep up with that and, and manage to teach my class too. So uh, I decided just to ask them and let them come if they wanted to. And they came. Uh, I think we had eight or nine the first time. And we in, in, met in here. And we have enough room that everybody can sit and be comfortable and not be packed right together. The only time we're close together is when we're at the table and we do that quite a bit. That's, that's about a two hour thing when we sit at the table. <laughs> <laughs> takes, takes us a while to eat. But we decided that we would, uh, it would be nice if we had a, a meal after, because we used to go out some and we can't we couldn't go out so i thought well okay we can't go out we can eat at least eat here and everybody contributes so we just have a we just have a super great time and everybody gets to to say all right I, this week we're having so and so and and i bring and and everybody brings we put it in everybody fills their plate and comes in and sits and, and then we eat and visit so 
So it sounds like y'all uh, throughout all of this have found a way to um, be connected with each other even though you're not necessarily able to go to the church. Um, but also, it sounds like y'all might have even gotten closer than what. We have been because the opportunity to share and, and at church, we don't have that opportunity because we don't sit together to eat or anything. And no, we used to go out to eat some, but we didn't share like we do here. And we've just shared, we've, we've shared what's happened in our lives and our marriages and our children and our problems and all this. And if we have a special problem, somebody usually says, I, you know, I have a problem, and this is what I need you to pray about. And we have a, we, we do this. So I think it has really been something that has, well, it has, it has kept our class together because our class is, is the oldest one in the church, and it's, our people just don't get out. I've, I've probably gotten the greatest blessing out of it because they're coming to my house and I don't have to do anything except just to be here. Uh, but it's the fact that we can all be together and we don't have another place that's, well, we have some places, but they're all not where we can have a food or where we can have our, or we can't have our, our, uh, our, our sermon. So we decided that it was easier to have it here while we could. So that's, so I get the blessing every week. What led you to to start inviting everybody into your home during all of this and cooking amazing food every single week and doing all of that? Well, it started out that we were going to just we were going Repeating. to be down in the yard and just have just just a Sunday. So, we can watch it again though. She preaches a good sermon. So, but so first, thank you to Miss Joe and her class for setting such a great example to all of us uh, about what community is in the midst of this time. I mean, that's awesome. And again, we, we all can't do that. And I know everybody has individual situations, but what I love about this, and because she said it so I can repeat it, I would never say it, it's the oldest class in the church, okay? <laughs> and they didn't let technology get in their way. Um, they just called and said, can somebody come and help us get this set up? They didn't let transportation get in the way. They didn't make excuses. They created an opportunity. And you heard her say, well, we kind of started in the yard and everybody was kind of around. And then it just kind of grew into what it is. And, and so they meet at her house right now. I don't know if they'll ever come back. I mean, I wouldn't if they're eating lunch and doing things like that um, every week. Um, and so second thing I need to let you know about that video Miss Joe called last week and said I needed to be still on camera so that my microphone would work better. So I'm just going to walk around a lot today, Miss Joe. I'm just kidding. We kind of have that relationship. So, uh, but listen, on a serious note, can I just tell you something? As the pastor, I would gladly trade a full sanctuary for homes all over Weatherford that were doing that in community. Because now, listen to me. I didn't say I would trade it for everyone worshiping in their pajamas and sipping coffee. I would trade it for the type of community that they've created, doing life together and taking care of one another and sharing stories and living life like that because what does my heart good is to know that they're taking care of one another and that's what we mean about being better together. 
And, and, and I understand that there's just sometimes there are some limitations to gathering in worship. And I love gathering in worship. And I love singing. I love coming together and doing these things. But honestly, when our faith is supposed to be lived out in community, and you look at a time like this, and it's like, I'm not going to let this stop me from doing what God is doing. So thank you uh, to that class for setting an example for us. And so if we're going to find community, this is what I mean. This is an example of we have to be committed to it. We can always find excuses not to, or we can find reasons to do something. And so let's look at what it means to be committed to this just real quickly this morning. Ephesians 4, chapter 4, starting in verse 25. This is what the word tells us. Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor. Because we are, what does that say? Members of one another. I just stop right there and let that sink in. We are members of one another. This idea of an individualistic faith that I can live out on my own is not biblical. We are members of one another. And yes, though all the time we can't all be with everyone all the time, we have to have a commitment to be together because we are better together and to be involved. Paul goes on and he writes this, be angry and do not sin. Amen. I'm going to come back to that one. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he's to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God has forgiven you in Christ. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. I love that. He writes all under this thesis that we are members of one another. And then everything else stems from that. He's saying, look, as a follower of Christ, we're now connected to one another spiritually, and we need to work on that relationally and physically and everything else in our right connections and relationships. And so with that as the foundation, then he gives us some things that we can do to be committed to being connected. Because like I'll say it one more time, you can be present and unconnected. Because being connected requires a commitment on your part to say, I want to be a part and so let's look at what some of the commitments of connection are right here in this passage. The first thing that we can commit to is this. My life will be led by the truth. My life will be led by the truth. Putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor. Listen to me. Truth is best received from those you know and love and who have invested in you. Truth is strongest when it's connected to a relationship, 
Think about that. Because let me just tell you, let me give you an example that you could all probably get in your mind. I could go up these stairs and through the roof, I could get on the roof of this building, and I could get a megaphone, and I could yell truth at Weatherford. And the truth would still be true. I could scream it at the top of my lungs, truth after truth after truth from God's word. But it's probably not going to be well received, is it? They're going to go, who is that fool up on top of the chair? Yeah, that's probably what's going to be thought in their minds. But if I strive to speak the truth, look what it says, each one to his neighbor. If I strive to speak truth in a relationship to those who I know and I do life with, then it's more likely to be received. And so when we have this understanding that I'm supposed to be committed as a part of the body of Christ to not only to one another, but to bringing others into that body of Christ, then I understand my life will be led by truth. But that truth is not just me going around and telling everybody things that are true. It's each one to his neighbor as we strive to live life together. Because you need what the same thing that I need. I need people in my life who help speak truth. Sometimes I need words of encouragement because I'm down. Sometimes I need words of correction because I'm wrong. Sometimes I, I just need iron sharpening iron and somebody to just bounce things off of and you can't do that on your own. As a matter of fact, the more time I spend on my own, the more convinced that I'm right and everybody else is wrong, right? And then I can blog about it. That's awesome, okay? Because nobody can argue with me. It's just these type of things. We need to be around one another to live these things out. We need to be able to speak truth and love to one another and we also need to be able to receive that so we can commit to speak and receive truth together. The second thing that he points out to us, I'll say it this way, I will face my issues and not bury them. I'll face my issues and not bury them. That's what he's talking about. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. And I'm going to say it again. I love that the passage doesn't say don't be angry. Because there's a lot of people who think, well, now that I'm a follower of Christ, I can't be mad at everything. Well, that's not right. There are lots of times that we get angry. We're not always right when we're angry. But just becoming a follower of Christ doesn't remove that from your life. And so we get instruction here that we're supposed to deal with it. We're supposed to face it. We're supposed to figure out the right thing to do with it. Do something about your anger in the right way. Because when we don't deal with it, what the word tells us right here is we just keep giving the enemy a foothold in our life. And so I can't tell you, and I'm sure you have many stories as well, how many times the source of my anger is a simple misunderstanding. Anybody ever been there? You don't have to raise your hand, but I just saw you. You all confess. Thank you. And so you get all worked, worked up about something, all bent out of shape about something, and then, you know, you find out the rest of the story and you go, oh. And then, you know, for me it's like, I wish I had that six months back that I walked around being mad about this and simply had a two-minute conversation to find out what was going on. And so there's some things that we should do to deal with it. That's why it says... Don't let the sun go down. Deal with it. Yeah, sometimes we need to step back. We need to calm down. We need to get a right frame of mind. But what the word is telling us to do, we need to learn to deal with these. And yes, 
there are times that we get angry about things that we should get angry about. But deal with it in the right way, and then here's the key word, and then move on. That's what's hard about it. So yeah, I fixed that, and I'd like to continue to bring it up every time that we have a conversation for the next six years of your life, just to remind you that I was angry at you that one time until I corrected it all. That, that, move on. And so we need to learn how to do that. So let me just ask you this question with your anger, just a serious question. How long do you want to hold on to it? How long do you like to hold on to it? And by holding on to it, what exactly are you accomplishing? Look, I'm angry. Look at me. They're angry. They just sped off. Okay, look. We're all angry. Look at me. I'm angry. What does this accomplish? So God's word saying, look, I know there's going to be some times when we're trying to do life together that we're going to clash. But we need to make a commitment to one another in love to face our issues. And even when I get bent out of shape at times, I need to learn to move on. So commit to face your issues. And then I love, 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 love this next one. I will work hard so that I can share generously. And the reason I love this one so much isn't because I'm a pastor and I'm talking about giving. The reason I love this one so much is because it gives us the reason why. Because we, we live in a culture that everybody, you need to work hard, you need to pick yourself up by your bootstraps, you need to work on these things, and if you work hard enough, then you'll have everything that you need. And that's what culture tries to tell us. But what the Bible tells us is that if we work hard, we'll have enough to share with everybody. You see the difference between the two? A personal faith or a community faith? A personal faith that, God, if I work hard enough, then you'll bless me and I'll do enough and I'll be okay and everything will be fine in my little circle. Or a community faith that says, God, if I follow you and trust you and work hard on these things, then you'll give me the ability to be able to bless others around me and share. I love that. You catch that community caveat in the instructions right here. Work hard so that you can give generously. Not work hard to store it all up for yourself. Work hard to share it. And I'm just going to go ahead and be point blank. If you're not sharing, you're not living out your faith. It's just the bottom line. Generosity is all over this book, beginning with God's generosity to us. And then continuing on by saying, look, you just need to learn to treat people the way that I treated you, which is with extreme generosity. And so think about it this way. This is a place where the enemy undercuts many, many people in life. If we live in such a way that you think that you have nothing to share, you're not living out your faith. Community requires investment into the community or the community will die. No church, no organization, no government can just give away resources unless something is contributing to that. And so as far as this church is concerned, I want you to think about it this way. We are a distribution center. We are not a manufacturer. Think about it that way. We just distribute. We gather and distribute the resources that God has for us so that we can spread the gospel. That's finances, that's talent, that's other types of resources that we do. We take these things in, we use them, and we distribute them. We, we don't manufacture or make them, we just kind of get to collect them and send them out. And I say it every time, First Baptist Church is a generous church, I'm thankful for that. That's why I'm not standing up here trying to coerce anybody. I pray that we continue to be even more generous 
for many, many generations. But here is a warning I do want to give us. It only takes one generation to kill it. It only takes one generation to kill it. If we look around and go, yeah, that's what they're supposed to do, and yet we're not owning our part of it, it only takes one generation to kill it. And so we all need to be committed to exactly what this word says, working hard so that we can share generously. Because that's where we find life in this belief that we're better together. He goes on, and another commitment we can say is, my words will be used to encourage. Say that with me. My words will be used to encourage. That's why he says, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. Now this one is pretty self-explanatory, so I'm just going to give you a quick test, something that you can do. Evaluate your words and ask yourself, am I doing enough encouraging? And let me just go ahead and tell you, it's a trick question. Because you're not, and neither am I. But if you make a commitment that, look, from the time I leave this pew today, the rest of the words that come out of my mouth are going to be encouraging. When I wake up in the morning, I'm going to strive to say encouraging words. That's the way that we're supposed to live, to build one another up and encourage. He goes on, another commitment we can make, I will obey the Spirit of God. That's why he says, don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. And see, you start taking all these things in, and I know if you're wired to anything like me, you start going, how am I supposed to do all these things? Because every time the pastor gives us a point, I start thinking of an area in my life where I'm going, well, how do I do this? So how do I balance all these things that I'm supposed to do in these relationships? How am I supposed to live this out and know what to do? Here's the point right here. You learn to tune in to the Holy Spirit of God. You learn to hear the Spirit of God, and so you do what he says. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you this. There's no shortcut. It takes time and commitment in talking to and reading the word of God and listening to be able to learn and discern the spirit of God. So if you're a young believer and you're going, man, people talk about hearing God talk, and I don't know that I hear that all the time. It's okay. Don't panic about that. There's not some secret class that we took that we left you out of. It's time, and that's all there is to it. Okay, so last night, I'm watching the Cornhole Championships because I got this type of time in my life. Did anybody even know that was a thing? That apparently is sports in a COVID world, okay? It's like ESPN is like, we're out of everything, so we got Cornhole Championships. And I turned it on just kind of as a joke going, is this serious, Cornhole Championships? And here's what's funny. The guy who's number one in the world at Corn, and I'm not making fun of him, he's probably bigger than me. He'll come beat me up if he ever hears my sermon, okay? But it's like, (laughs) this was the story. When he was 17, he decided that he wanted to be number one in the world at Cornhole, and so he asked himself this question, what would it look like if he committed to practice every day? And here he is, number one in the world today at 23 years old, and I'm like, (laughs) first of all, that's funny. It's like, okay, I got to practice, I got to practice. Every day. But second of all, the principle is true. Anything you want to be good at in life, what do you have to do? You have to commit to practice. Hey, you want to be good at cornhole practice every day. Guess what? He's done that I've never done in my life. He's been number one at something, and he's on ESPN, and I'm not. (laughs) So there's something to this idea of commitment. But I'm serious. 
we need to realize that if we're trying to learn how to discern the spirit of God or how to walk in my faith, don't, don't rush it. Just commit to it. Read God's word daily. Hang around people that know how to help you discern these things. Listen to the word of God and obey him. And when you do that, over time, you begin to discern the spirit of God and you begin to obey the spirit of God. So don't beat yourself up like we're talking some mystical talk at church. It's right here. Start putting it into your mind and living it out and you will begin to hear the spirit of God lead and guide you as you talk to people, as you live life, as you do things. It'll be right there. But it takes time and there's no fast forward for it. He sums up with a couple of other things. Here's a commitment for us. I will be kind and compassionate, remembering God's love for me. We need that in our culture right now. We need kind and compassionate, remembering that God has dealt with us in that same way. And then the last commitment that I want to point out this morning, and it's really big, even though it's really simple. I will be eager to forgive. I will be eager to forgive. I will be looking for ways to forgive. I will be trying to find a way where I can go, okay, I'm going to let that go and we're going to offer forgiveness. Because that's what he says right here. Forgiving one another just as God also forgave you in Christ. Now look, I know I, there's a lot of commitments here this morning. That's why I put them up on the screen. That's why we have them out there. But this is what it looks like when we want to do life together, when we want to commit that we're better together. Because here's the promise, that when we choose to do things God's way, then we get life in the way that only God can provide it. If we just want to continue to do things our way, then the only thing you'll ever get is the best that you can do. Ask yourself this question this morning. Would I like the best that I can do? Or would I like the best that God can do? And if you truly answer that question in a way you go, you know, Pastor, I want the best that God can do. I need to learn to put my things aside and do the best that, that God can do in my life. Then these are the commitments you can make. And so he sums it really all up in this one last commitment. I will walk in love toward others. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. That's the bottom line. And I just want to point out the obvious. You can't walk in love toward others if you're not committed to be in community with others. And so God wants us to find out that we're better together. And the only way we do that is to commit to being in these messy and difficult and frustrating at times relationships with people so that we can learn how to demonstrate the same type of grace to others that God has demonstrated to us. And when we do that, we discover life at its fullest. Would you pray with me for just a moment? We're going